RadioInfluence.com. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I am your host, Vincent Hill, and I got to tell you, I'm so excited. You are a Walking Dead fan, as I am. The Walking Dead returned this past Sunday, and it was all out war. And if you watched last season, of course, you know Rick and his crew were under the the knee, under the thumb of this character named Negan. Uh, But, you know, at the end of the season, Rick finally decided to fight back. In the very first episode of season eight of The Walking Dead uh, was great. You know, I I know I waited months and months for this new season. I know a lot of friends that I know waited months and months for this new season. And when the show was on, we were actually having a dialect via Facebook and Twitter about the show. So I'm really excited that The Walking Dead is back. I look forward to what this season holds, you know, for Rick his crew against Negan and again The Walking Dead you know it started eight seasons ago is just the show that no one really gave a chance to when it first started but it's turned into this huge phenomenon of just legions upon legions of fans I'm one of those fans so Sunday nights I have a rule in my house don't bother me at 9 p.m. eastern time until 10 p.m. eastern time on Sundays because I'm locked into AMC watching The Walking Dead and man this season is going to be great. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Now, speaking of Sundays, of course, Sunday is usually reserved for Sunday night football. And last week, uh, you know, I, I talked about the New Orleans police officer that was killed uh in the line of duty shot by a man that looks just like him. He was a black police officer, Officer Marcus McNeil, who was shot and killed by some thug who was a convicted felon, who shouldn't have had a gun, who had dope on him. Uh, officer was shot and killed. Of course, the suspect was shot, but later arrested. He did not die, thankfully, because now he can get what's coming to him. Uh, but one of the, the, the most sickening Things I've seen uh, happen Sunday with the New Orleans Saints. Now, I told you how I felt about the, you know, the whole kneeling during the national anthem and all of that hoo-ha because you know these players think that there's this great racial injustice between police and the black community. Well, at this Sunday's game, this past Sunday, uh, the Saints during the memorial, not during the national anthem, but during the memorial of Officer Marcus McNeil, they decided during this tribute to take a knee. And I guess it was because of this false narrative that they've been spewing out that there's this injustice between police and the black community. So let me get this straight, just so I understand. You have a thug was a convicted felon who sold dope 
who shot a police officer, but you take a knee and disrespect that fellow, no, not fellow, you take a knee and disrespect this officer who is a black man because you think there's this great injustice. Well, what about the injustice for Officer McNeil? Can you imagine how this officer's family feels right now to see the team of the city he served and protect, the team of the city he died serving and protecting, taking a knee because of this great racial injustice between police and the black community? Well, there was no racial injustice when he was shot and killed. The injustice was he was attempting to arrest a thug and he was shot and killed. It wasn't about race. It wasn't about Michael Brown. It wasn't about Freddie Gray. It wasn't about Trayvon Martin. It wasn't about Tamir Rice. It was about a police officer protecting and serving his community, and yet he died for it. Then you had the audacity to take a knee during his tribute. That is sickening. And it should be as no surprise to you that your fans booed the hell out of you when you did it. Because if I would have been in the audience, A, I probably would have pulled a Vice President Pence and just walked out. But you best believe I would have booed the hell out of you. Now, every year when the Saints come to Atlanta, I usually go out and spend hundreds of dollars to get pretty decent seats to watch the game. It's always been a tradition since I've been in Atlanta, right? Saints, Falcons, it's been a rivalry. And I still yet have been to the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So, of course, the uh, New Orleans Saints were scheduled, well, they are scheduled to be in Atlanta on December 7th and December 31st. Well, guess who will not be buying tickets to that game? Me, because I refuse to spend hundreds of dollars to watch a team that decides to kneel at the tribute of a dead police officer. Here's what that I equate that to. I equate that to this guy named President Barack Obama at the memorial service of five dead Dallas police officers saying this. America should feel the pain of Alton Sterling's family. No, America should realize that Alton Sterling was a thug who resisted arrest, who was armed with a gun, therefore got himself shot. That's what America should feel. So I equate the New Orleans Saints taking a knee during the tribute of a fallen officer, a black officer, mind you, since you swear that all black lives matter, I equate that to the exact same thing. And I refuse to put my hard-earned money into that system that would allow that to happen. If I was that owner, I would lose my mind. There would be a lot of people probably bent. And then you could say, oh, it's unfair. You can have marches like you do for that dude with the big afro. Uh, You know who I'm talking about. But to kneel during the tribute of a dead police officer, 
who probably, who probably went to a lot of the games in New Orleans. He probably spent a lot of money on New Orleans uh, jersey, New Orleans Saints gear, ticket, concession stand. He put probably put a lot of money into that team that disrespects him and slaps him in the face. That's sickening. Sickening, sickening. So I've decided, again, not paying any money to to go to the uh, the games here in Atlanta. And I mean this with everything in me. I will never watch another New Orleans Saints football game. Now, if by some fluke, and I mean big fluke, that New Orleans goes to the Super Bowl, then guess what? I don't care who they're playing. I guess I won't be watching the Super Bowl because I cannot support in any way. I can't even give them my one Nielsen rating by watching their game after what they did. I just can't do it. I promise you, I will never watch another Saints game. If somebody wants to talk about the game, I'll simply say, nah, man, I didn't watch. All right, enough about that because it's really going to get my blood uh, bubbling up. Now, a few minutes ago, I mentioned uh, the name that we probably all remember, Freddie Gray, who was somehow killed in Baltimore uh, back in 2015. Of course, there was the uh, city prosecutor, Marilyn Mosby, that indicted six officers on murder charges. And, of course, we all remember there were a lot of protests and riots and, and whatnot, and they made it made this this whole, you know, racial Trayvon Martin type deal, uh, which is kind of weird, I've always said, because the majority of those officers were uh, black, female, or minority. But at any rate, of course, we remember, as I said, none of the charges uh, would stick. The guy that faced the most charges of second-degree murder was acquitted. Then after that, it was a domino effect where all of the officers that were standing trial were acquitted. Well, apparently this whole thing is still going on. Uh, two of the officers have accepted minor disciplinary actions for their involvement in the 2015 arrest of Freddie Gray, uh, rather than argue their case before departmental trial board. Uh, so this basically allowed these officers to take this minor disciplinary action, but it also allowed them to get back to work and do their jobs and support their family because that's what it's all about, right? We all want to support our family. And I guess these guys, these two officers said, hey, we don't really want to go through this whole thing. Look, we haven't worked. My family's hungry. I got bills to pay, but I still I still enjoy being police officer in the city of Baltimore. Uh, so it was officers uh, Garrett Miller and Edward Nero, uh, and their their quote was that they believed they did not violate any of the policies, procedures, and practices of the Baltimore Police Department, which I agree with as well. But they accepted their disciplinary action to move on from this unfortunate event and continue their career. Okay, that makes sense. It makes sense if you believe that you truly didn't do anything and 
you want your job back. I mean, no one wants to be unemployed, right? So the officers, I think, faced up to five days suspension in, in most departments. Five days suspension means you're five days without pay, but since 2015. So those five extra days, I really don't think are going, going to affect anything. So Officer Miller, he was the officer who initially arrested uh, Freddie Gray for carrying a knife after Gray ran from the officers in a high crime area of West Baltimore. Nero was the officer who arrived at the scene shortly after and assisted with the arrest and placing Freddie Gray in the back of the uh, police van. And I believe Nero, you can see on this, you know, supposed controversial footage of Freddie Gray being put in the police van, uh, you know, back in 2015. So, you know, to, to those officers' point, you know, again, I've watched that arrest. I've the the arrest part of it. I've watched them putting Freddie Gray inside the back of the van. There was no excessive force going on while Freddie Gray was on the ground, even though he was screaming and carrying on like most suspects that don't want to go to jail do. Um, when they stood Freddie Gray up, the officers didn't do anything wrong. They didn't use any force. They definitely didn't use excessive force. When they put him in the van, from what you see on the video, the officers didn't do anything wrong. They didn't smack him on the back of the head. They didn't carry him over to the van and chokehold. They didn't do any of the things that, of course, people assume happened because of the false narrative that gets pushed around. So these two officers, really, in my opinion, you know, at the end of the day, here's a guy who's known the police, who runs from police, who's carrying a knife. He's arrested. He's put in a van. The officers did their job according to law that day. And like I said, the reason you could not prove a murder conviction in this case is because you would have to prove that those officers intentionally and without malice intended to kill Freddie Gray. And we still honestly don't know how Freddie Gray died. We know he had a traumatic neck injury, but of course there were reports that he had previous neck injury. So the intent by those officers, all six that were involved, was not to kill Freddie Gray. Hence, no criminal charge. So for these two officers' sake, I hope that they can get past this, get back to work, uh, and just live productive lives. One of the officers went to the Marine unit, and the other one went to the aviation unit uh, of the city of Baltimore. So it, it sounds like to me when you're in the Marine unit and the aviation unit, you're really not on the street uh, dealing with the day-to-day people, if you will, of policing, which I probably think in this case is a good thing because, you know, people will probably try to test these officers. They will probably try to lure them in to do something which involves using force. And then, of course, they'll be back in the news. They'll be racist again, even though they're minority themselves. Uh, you know, they'll be just the whole 
shebang of, yeah, they should have went to prison for Freddie Gray, yada, yada, yada. So I think that was a, a good move by the police department to put them in areas that don't involve dealing with the day-to-day people of policing. It just protects everybody. It protects the department. It definitely protects the officers. It protects their families. And most importantly, it protects those officers' livelihood. And I'm glad they were able to get past this, move on, and get back to what they actually love doing, policing the city of Baltimore. I want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, Remember last week when I talked about hypocrisy and how it affects the left so much and how they report stories and what they choose to report on. So I don't know if you you remember uh, last month, I believe it was, there was a shooting in Nashville, the city where I was a police officer, at a church on a Sunday morning, but relatively normal day, this guy busts in, uh, Emmanuel Samson, he busts in the church, starts shooting a bunch of people, I believe the church usher or someone was armed, uh, was able to take the suspect down, suspect was arrested, and that was pretty much the extent of the news coverage, especially as it relates to mainstream media that steers itself towards the left. Well, uh, there was a note apparently found in his car, the guy, the shooter's car, that basically says it was retaliation for the white supremacist Dylan Roof, who went into a church, of course, we know in Charleston, South Carolina, back in 2015. And killed a bunch of people. And now Dylan Ruth is uh, currently awaiting a death sentence. He was sentenced to death in that case. Uh, But I I think back to when Dylan Ruth did what he did in Charleston. And I think back to how much news news coverage it got. Um, And I remember even covering the story on one of the networks. I can't remember when that was. You know, several years ago. But. Yeah, I just remember how it was just in the news. It was in the news. You have this racist racist white guy who killed a bunch of black people in the South, and it's 2015, and we shouldn't have to be still living this. And he had Confederate flag, and he had this uh, agenda to kill black people, and he had his manifesto that said he was going to kill black people. And it all sparked because of Trayvon Martin. And this is just wrong. How can we still be doing this in 2015? Well, how come this story didn't get the same coverage? Because if the note says that it was retaliation for the white supremacists who killed a bunch of black people, wouldn't this kind of make this guy a black supremacist who wanted to kill a bunch of white people? just in retaliation. But while the country was, and still is, in uproars about Confederate statutes and this person being a racist, this person being a racist, the president being a racist, he's a white supremacist, yada, 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 no one is really looking at this guy, Emmanuel Sampson, to say, well, Therefore, if he wanted to kill white people, isn't he a racist? No one's talking about 
gun control now, saying that we need tighter gun control. No one talked about that in this shooting. It got maybe one or two days coverage, and that was it. But the left gave Dylan Roof and fed that narrative of this whole racial problem in this country. That was on the news for weeks, if not months, where we heard about Dylan Roof and the Confederate flag and that he was a white supremacist and that, you know, he had it out to kill black people and he had it out. He had a list and he was going to kill more black people and more black people and more black people. And it's 2015 and we have a black president, but yet we're dealing with racism. You guys remember that? I remember it. So would it not be the same coverage for this guy who wanted to kill white people? I mean, racism is racism. It doesn't say because you're black and you make comments about wanting to kill white people that you're not a racist just because you're black. And it doesn't say that since you're a white person that makes comments about killing black people that you're automatically a racist because you're white. Racism is racism. Whether you're black, white, Chinese, Korean, alien, it doesn't matter. If your agenda is to destroy either economically, physically, socially, another race because of your ideology, that therefore makes you a racist. So I don't think it's right that the left and the mainstream media focused on the agenda that was going on during the presidential election, but yet, here we are, just a month ago, black guy walks into a church with white people and does the exact same thing, and it gets local news coverage for two days. There's a blurb about it on CNN, and that story is done. It's on the hush. And it reminds me of something we recently saw, Las Vegas. Now, the story is, and there's a lot of people that question the story because the timeline has changed. and day he's checked into the hotel has changed and now Mandalay Bay says they won't release any of the footage to police which would prove that this guy was the one who carried a bunch of guns up to the hotel room and killed 58 people but there's a lot of people that don't believe the story but whatever it is what it is a mass shooting in Las Vegas less than a month ago right they're still talking about that story but yet in Baltimore just a week ago, and and they're still talking about that story. Of course, it was politicized that we need gun control. We need tighter gun control. These mass shootings are ridiculous, and we need universal background checks. Blah, 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 blah. Now, a few days ago in Maryland, there was a mass shooting in the workplace, and the story got news up until the point they found out the suspect was black and he was apprehended. Now, the fact is, though, it was still a mass shooting. When you look at it by definition, I believe three people were killed and three others were injured. That is a mass shooting. But 
It doesn't fit the agenda of we need gun control and the stereotypical white male that just snapped. And the reason it didn't fit the scenario of we need gun control is because the suspect who did this was already a convicted felon of drug charges, of felon in possession of a weapon once before. So the whole theory, the whole narrative, gun control wouldn't have fit the agenda. So that story was squashed, but it's hypocrisy. It's the hypocrisy of the mainstream media. It's the hypocrisy of the left that has this country at odds with each other because they assume that the story doesn't run for a week or two, that nothing else exists, right? Why are we not having this conversation about mass shootings down in Maryland with what happened a few days ago? Why are we not having those conversations? It was still a mass shooting. Why are we not having the conversation about gun control? Oh, that's right, because like I've said thousands of times, and just like everyone else who really knows about the Second Amendment has said thousands of times, gun control doesn't prevent the average criminal who wants to do harm, who wants to do crime, gun control, as in, i.e., background checks, doesn't stop them from getting guns. This guy killed three people at the workplace, a mass shooting. But he didn't go to a gun store to get his gun. Therefore, oh, well, shoot, we can't have the conversation about gun control because he was a convicted felon. We can't say it was about Trump uh, because they weren't country music concert goers. Uh, well, we can't say it was about uh, uh, race. Because it was a black man. Well, uh, 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 I know. We just won't report on the story. It's really not that important. We'll just give a quick blurb that says, oh, the suspect was later apprehended. The end. See how the hypocrisy works? But I assure you, if the roles were reversed, and this guy in Maryland, especially after, he, after the, the heels of of Las Vegas. This guy in Maryland had been a white male who had never been arrested, who, for whatever reason, decided to go to a gun store legally and purchase a gun and then go into work, kill some of his coworkers. That story would still be running right now. And it would definitely fit the narrative because off the heels of Las Vegas, now in Maryland, another mass shooting. Everybody would be talking about how we need gun control, how Trump has enabled these white supremacists to go around and kill people. It's all about Trump. It's all about this. All about the right. Blah, 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 blah. But since they couldn't do it, that story was squashed. It went shh. It went shh really quick, whereas we're still hearing about Stephen Paddock, again, who may have or may not have killed 58, 59 people in Las Vegas. But in, in, in Nashville, the case I was just talking about earlier that the guy said it was retaliation for Dylan Roof, 
In Nashville, police found four guns after the shooting, AR-15, 40 caliber handguns, 9mm handgun, and a 22 caliber pistol. And guess what? They were all purchased legally from in-state gun retailers. Legally. So why are we not having this conversation about gun control? Why are we not having this conversation? Because it doesn't fit the hypocritical agenda of the left to divide this country. It has everyone brainwashed that only certain things are committed by certain people and only certain people are arrested by police and only certain people are killed by police. It's that false hypocritical narrative that has this country divided. It's not starting at the White House, contrary to what you see on the TV and what you hear on the TV. It's not starting there. It's not starting in the backwoods of Arkansas with some guy wearing a a white hoodie. No, it's starting at the top of the mass media network to make you believe that only certain things happen to certain people and only certain people do certain things because they're racist and because they uh, didn't agree with Trayvon Martin. It's the hypocrisy that has this country divided. It's not the president. It's not his White House staff. It's the hypocrisy. And the sad part is everybody is too blind to actually see what the heck is going on. All right, I'm out of time, but of course, before I go, I have to jump into my 10-7 segment. And the officer I'm honoring tonight, uh, end of watch, was Saturday, October 21st, 2017. Police officer Justin Leo with the Gerard Police Department in Gerard, Ohio. He was 31 years old. He had served with the police department for five years. Police officer Justin Leo was shot and killed while responding to a domestic disturbance call at 401 Indiana Avenue at approximately 10.15 p.m. The subject was intoxicated and was known to have firearms inside the home. Responding officers made contact with the subject who produced a handgun and shot Officer Leo. Another officer returned fire and killed the subject. Officer Leo was transported to a local hospital where he succumbed to his wounds. Officer Leo had served with the Gerard Police Department for five years. It doesn't mention any family that was left behind, but of course, we didn't get here by ourselves. So I'm sure police officer Justin Leo had a family, albeit whether extended or whatever. He had a family, and he definitely had the family of his brothers and sisters in blue. So, Godspeed to him. I thank him for five years of serving and protecting. Serving and protecting. I thank him for being courageous enough to pay the ultimate sacrifice that all police officers are faced with on a daily basis, and that is the sacrifice of not knowing you will make it through your shift. Godspeed to him. My prayers to his family. Thank you for listening. And I will see you next week right here, RadioInfluence.com.
Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. Now, Colin Kaepernick, um, you know, who, whose name is omnipresent, uh, is suing the NFL for collusion. Now, this is my, my whole view of that. As far as what collusion means, I think this is the epitome of collusion. It's the epitome of collusion. Because nobody can tell me that Colin Kaepernick is not one of the best 32 slash 64 quarterbacks in the world. Okay? His statistically he is, skill set wise he is, the whole nine yards. Uh, you talk about somebody's resume. I mean, that's all, he has all of that, every last bit of it. So if you took it to court, you could definitely, not definitely, you'd be, it'd be an open and shut whether Colin Kaepernick is one of the top 64 quarterbacks in the NFL, period. So, but when you want to have to, when you're going after 32 billionaires and he's trying to prove something like collusion, I think he has zero chance, okay? Once again, I think it's, I think it's the epitome of collusion, but I think he has zero chance of winning any type of lawsuit. So I kind of know what collusion means. I think it's a vague word, okay? Um, but I looked it up. Okay, I looked it up, and this is how it's written in the NFL rule book. And uh, I'm just going to let you know, I, every once in a while, I'll go to the NFL rule book, and I'll read something, and it all reads exactly like this rule reads. And this rule reads basically, leave it to the really, really rich people. We'll let you know what's right and wrong. That's all. But there, you can't come up with a decision from this rule. Here it says, collusion, the definition. No clubs. Its employees or agents shall enter into any agreement expressed or implied with the NFL or any club, its employer or agents to restrict or limit individual club decision making. So what they're saying is you're not allowed to congregate and say you're not going to do something. They didn't do that. Are we ever going to know if they made phone calls? No. Come on. Like a simple. It's not like some you know, conspiracy where you say, hey, we see that this owner called this owner. That's not going to matter. They could say they were calling about a free agent. It doesn't matter. They'll never, he will never win. It's, it's sad because I don't think he's ever going to play again either. Never. You can find Ian Beckles' Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com. 